Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Good morning, Glenridge friends. It is so great to be uh, meeting with you this morning. If you are a visitor, then a special welcome to you. You are very welcome on our online service. It is great to have you visiting. So I have three children, for those of you who don't know me. And since having children, I have understood in a greater and more meaningful way the wisdom of the phrase, less is more. And so with each of my three children, and I'm sure that for those of you who also have had children, you will potentially have noticed that they move into a phase where they start to want to dress themselves. And it can be interesting and awkward and slightly embarrassing at times, but it is part of this exciting journey that they go on of expressing themselves. So we try and roll with it. But what I have found with all three of my children is that their fashion style seems to adopt a more the merrier type of approach. So the more layers, the better, the more accessories, the better. And so this particular holiday, Christian and I were in stitches watching our youngest child, our daughter Esther, as she received all of her Christmas gifts. And so um, she is enjoying all of her Christmas gifts all at the same time. So every single bag that she has received gets hooked onto a shoulder or an arm or an elbow. Every single hairband or hair bow or accessory gets positioned somewhere on her head. Every single doll or toy gets clutched under an arm. And she's wandering around the house in this sort of odd, uncomfortable balancing act, weighed down by all of her new Christmas gifts. And so Christian and I thought it was incredibly, incredibly cute, um, but also incredibly, incredibly impractical. You see, we were staying over the holidays at a friend of ours farm. And so our kids decided that on one of the days, they wanted, well, on a number of the days, but this one particular day, straight after Christmas and receiving these new gifts, they wanted to go and explore and go on an adventure. So the boys, they get their backpacks and they pack a drink and they pack um, a bag of snacks and some bolt-on and an apple and it's light and it's easy and they are ready to go. And then Esther comes out and she has found this small pink plastic shopping trolley and she has rammed all of the dolls into this thing. Every single bag, there's swimming goggles in there, three pairs of sunglasses, four hats, four blankets, uh, you name it, it is in there. And she comes wheeling this thing out of the house ready to go on this farm adventure. And um, it had rained the night before um, and it had rained hard. So I can see that the tracks are caked in mud. They are thick with puddles. So I gently suggest to her um, that maybe she should consider leaving the trolley at the house and maybe just taking one of the 20 bags with her. But no, she was adamant she was taking all of these things with her. So 
off they go, they set off, I watch them walking off down the farm track and that's that. So, to cut a long, tearful, wet, muddy, tantrum-filled story short, uh, Reuben ended up carrying this trolley the majority of the way around and then I can see them like however many kilometers off in the distance and uh, so I jump in the car and I drive to go retrieve them and fetch them and bring them home. So why am I telling you this story? Because this morning I want to share with you something that God has been stirring me to consider and that I think he would want all of us to be taking some time to consider too. And that is this idea that less is more. And specifically, and this is the title for my message this morning, that there is a priceless worth in one. You see, as I watched Esther striding off into the distance, weighted down with this trolley that she's balancing on her knee as she walks, I know what she cannot see, which is that she's not going to get very far. I can see that um, she doesn't understand that less is more and that there is great value in packing light. Because whilst your arms and your shopping cart look empty or are empty, and you don't appear to have gained very much, what you do gain is the freedom to be able to walk the track, to be able to explore all around you with your eyes up and wide open. And in that, you get to see the mongoose that dashes across the road and into its burrow. You get to see the flamingos flying in and settling in the pan. And those things that you get to see and enjoy and save in those moments are actually priceless. They are of a greater worth than the possessions that she had shoved into her trolley. In Luke 15, Jesus gives us three parables that show us that there is a priceless worth of the one to God. We read of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in each of these stories, we hear of the desire in God's heart for him to be reunited with every single one of his sons and his daughters. And I am sure that many of you are familiar with these parables, and so I'm just going to read from the lost sheep just to refresh and recap that story in our minds. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. What I love about this verse and, um, and, and Jesus says a similar wording in the parable of the, lost, the woman with the lost coin, is that he says, wouldn't you leave? And in the parable of the lost coin, he says, um, 
it, when she loses the one coin, does she not light a lamp? There's this expectation in Jesus's mind. It's what I would call a no-brainer. Of course, of course you're going to. Of course you're gonna go and find the one sheep. Of course you're gonna go and look for the one coin. But I'm not sure that that one is such a no-brainer for us. I think that we believe that more, that bigger is better. And I think sometimes we lose heart, we lose faith, we lose belief that the one is of priceless worth to the Father and is worth pursuing. In this parable and the other two in Luke 15, we see that there is great joy when the one that was lost, the one that has wandered and found, is brought home. There is much celebrating over that one. Jesus says that in all three of the parables, he refers to great celebration, rejoicing and great joy. And then in the parable of the lost coin, we see that the woman searched ceaselessly and diligently for that one missing coin. Verse eight says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. When was the last time you chose one thing and chose to pursue it ceaselessly and diligently? When I read through these parables again, and I've been reading through the book of Luke over the last couple of months of last year and into this year. And I wanna encourage you that if you are wanting to dig into your Bible in a greater and deeper way this year, and if you want to deepen your relationship with Jesus this year, start with one of the gospels because firsthand you get to read uh, the words of Jesus. You get to hear his voice. You get to see his actions. You get to see what he does in circumstances and how he conducts himself and handles himself. So I would encourage you to dig into one of those gospels. But as I was rereading through the lost sum and we know it so well, I found myself wondering how often did the father of the lost son call out to God and ask him to protect his son, asking him to return his son to him. In verse 20, we read, but while he, the, the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I wonder how many days the father had walked out onto his land and looked across the horizon, wondering if maybe today might be the day that his son returned to him. I wonder how many days he was filled with despair and hopelessness as he looked and his son was not there. Fearing, I imagine, as the days turned into weeks and months, fearing that maybe his son would never return. And yet, his son did return. At this time of year, it's really common for people to have made New Year's resolutions. And um, I think it's also not uncommon I hope it's fair to say that many of those New Year's resolutions have potentially already uh, 
failed or, or not worked out quite as anticipated. And do you know one of the biggest reasons that we don't see the change that we want to see in these new habits is because we don't understand or we don't allow space for this idea of one. So we lay out grand plans, big ambitions for changes that we want to make in our home, in our family, in our relationships, in our work, in our health, whatever it is, big, big changes, grand plans. And we set ourselves the very, very hard task, potentially even near impossible task, of making big changes happen fast. We have grand expectations and grand ambitions. And like with Esther, as she packed all of these things into her trolley with this grand ambition of this fantastic adventure with all of her toys and her swim goggles ahead of her, we don't get very far. So when we find ourselves missing exercise on one day feels like failure. It feels like all is lost. When the pizza is eaten instead of the salad, the chocolate slab is not far behind because, well, you know, what's the point now? The calories are there. And when quiet time or daily devotion is missed for a day or maybe a week, the Bible then gets left sitting dusty, gathering dust on the shelf. It is so hard for us to be able to just sit in the one, just take one at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time. It is our own thinking that holds us back. It is our all or nothing that prevents us from getting back on the horse, as they say. One good meal doesn't make the diet, and so one bad meal doesn't break the diet. One quiet time with God doesn't earn you special favor in his heart, and one missed quiet time doesn't kick you out of his heart either. I believe that we need to learn the value and the joy that comes from seeing and enjoying and doing the one thing that God is asking us to do and tasking us for. And I believe that in doing that, we need to understand that each day is a fresh opportunity to invest into heavenly accounts. So every day there is fresh mercies for you to ceaselessly and diligently go after the one, the one thing, the one person that God is asking you to. It doesn't matter if yesterday the wheels fell off that does not disqualify or discredit you. So don't allow it to stop you from going after the one thing that God is asking you to do. It could be one person. Choose one person. Ask God to speak to you about one person. It could be a colleague. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be an enemy. Ask God to show you the one that he has for you to pursue ceaselessly and diligently and pray for them daily. And when you don't see any change, continue to pray for them. Be like the father of the lost son and keep looking to the horizon with great expectation of breakthrough. It could be one fruit of the spirit. Choose one 
Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to show you an area of your character that he wants you to grow in and develop in. And then ceaselessly pray for it. Ask God daily to help you, to shape you. Ask him to give you a fresh opportunity each day where you will be able to operate in love or gentleness or joy or peace. And I know that I say that, and that's going to be a challenge. I, I went through a season where I was praying about patience with my children. And um, there were some days where I regretted it. I really regretted setting myself that task because it felt like it was impossible on certain days. And you know what? There were some days, there were some arguments with my kids, some things that they did that pushed all of my buttons that I handled with an abundance of fruit. And there were some that I handled like beyond terribly. But I didn't let the one moment where it went wrong throw me off course and give up and quit. Instead, I acknowledged that I'd made an error. I acknowledged that I hadn't got it right. I asked for forgiveness from my children if I'd lost my temper with them. I asked for forgiveness from God and I asked the Holy Spirit again to help me to grow and work in that fruit. It just proved to me that I still had uh, progress to make. It could be one quiet time habit. Choose one thing, one time of day, one location, one devotional or book or audio. Keep it simple. Take day by day and remember that every day you do it, it counts. It is of value. The message of the world is that bigger is better, that more is actually more and that you have to look out for number one. But we must learn to be faithful and consistent and humble in steadfastly stewarding what God gives us, no matter what the size of it is. The world places value only on those things we do that meet with public approval, but that is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, in the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16, 10, says whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. In the kingdom of heaven, our approval only comes from one and his approval is priceless and more than enough. The final thing I want to say, perhaps to convince you that this seemingly insignificant small drop in the ocean mission of stewarding the one thing God gives you well is to remind you that Jesus is the one. He is the ultimate example of the priceless worth of one. John 3.16, as I'm sure you have heard, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. God did not send Jesus and all of the angels. He did not send Jesus and a well-trained, well-conditioned, well-equipped Navy SEAL army with him. He did not send Jesus and a PR and marketing crew. He did not send Jesus with a sidekick, Batman and Robin style. He sent 
the one, because the one, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, is of priceless worth. Jesus, the ultimate example of the priceless worth of one, was enough and is enough for all people, for all sins, for all time. Jesus was one man who regularly slowed down to meet with the one, to speak and minister to the one. He ignored the protest of his disciples who felt he was wasting his time or missing the point. He relinquished a need for approval from the Pharisees who accused him of being blasphemous. And he surrendered himself to a humiliating death far beneath the honor and the value that was due to him because he knew that there was priceless worth in one. He knew that if just one person was set free, was redeemed and was restored to relationship, right relationship with the Father, it was of priceless worth. I don't know about you, but I want to relinquish my need for approval from the world. I want to ignore the protests of those who don't understand what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. And I want to ceaselessly and diligently pursue each and every single one day, the one thing, the one person, the one task that God has asked me to do. I believe there is priceless worth in one. And I believe that if I steward that well, if I am diligent, if I'm consistent, if I humble myself, that the one is enough, I believe that it will be enough that when I stand before the Father, he will, he will say, well done, my good and faithful daughter. There is only one person whose affirmation that I want and only one person's affirmation and approval that will bring me real contentment and joy and wholeness. And that is the Father. And he is the one that I want to pursue and his works are the works I want to pursue. And that will be enough for me. I wanna pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you have works for each of us. I thank you, Father, that you know each of us intimately, that you know who we are, you know what we're good at, you know what we struggle with, and yet you have chosen us to be part of your mission, of your kingdom of heaven mission, of restoring this world and this people of humankind back to you, Father. I thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is to partner with heaven in fulfilling your works, Lord. I ask, Father, that you would enable us to humble ourselves, Father. We know in Proverbs that you say that you honor and you favor those who have humble hearts. Father, humble our hearts so that we pursue you and only you and all of your ways. Father, give us a fresh commission this morning of the one that you want each of us to pursue. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you partner with us and you fulfill that with us. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and kindness to us. Amen.